Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Wednesday, February 15th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we are talking about today. MPs call on grocery chain CEOs to answer questions about rising grocery prices. Those at the tops of these companies, those CEOs that are making massive bonuses, that are making bonuses because they're, they're creating massive profits for these companies, they should be able to answer questions. Why are the grocery prices so high? Why uh, are Canadians struggling to buy groceries while these corporate grocers are making these huge profits? And the Conservatives face questions about their party's decision to vote in support of the Bloc Québécois motion on the notwithstanding clause. What's your message to people who are impacted negatively by Bill 21, who say that the preemptive use of the notwithstanding clause is trampling on their rights and that is what is brought in this legislation and your party just supported it. What do you say to people who are impacted negatively by Bill 21? Look, let me be clear. I have been in the House of Commons when I was first elected in the first few months of myself being elected talking against Bill 21. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. Joining us is Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. I have my coffee in hand. I'm ready for you. Good. I've got my coffee too. We're all set. So um, yeah, interesting developments regarding the CEOs for these big grocery chains, Loblaws, Metro and Empire Company, which operates chains like Sobeys and Safeway and Fresco. They're being summoned to a commons committee. So now what is this supposed to achieve? Well, good question. I I was um, speaking to, to, um, to the NDP about that yesterday. And, you know, a bit of background for people that have been following it, you know, this committee was struck uh, to look at food prices last October. And so they've steadily been doing their work and and they've already spoken to uh, executives with these food companies. And so I I was asking, uh, you know, why the need to speak to CEOs? just like political folly um, to to be subjecting them to. And ultimately, of course, the answer came back no. <laughs> it, it is because, it, it, in some sense, they were, um, I guess, disappointed that it wasn't the head of the companies that were coming uh, to that came rather to committee to testify. Uh, I think there's also this element that ultimately, when it comes to any corporation, it, it's the president and the CEOs that are really. Um, held responsible for the uh, profits and the the share and returns that investors get. So they really wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth because they are still very concerned about the price of food. And, 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 and you know this, Julie, you know, anecdotally, or anecdotally, it's so early in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, it's okay, I'm getting it. I, I'm getting the thread of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My enunciation Your is enunciation. also early but but the thing is, didn't they have grocery executives appear at this kind of a, you know a committee looking into inflation before? They, they did, they yeah. did, uh, uh, but just not high enough because oh, again yes. they're, they're looking at the CEO level, who are the people that are ultimately held accountable for for these profits. But um, and perhaps more importantly, uh, beyond the profit, the the share return for 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 investors, and so that's what they they really want to speak about because they are still very, as I said, dissatisfied uh, when they go to the grocery store chain. And you and I both know this, you know, we we are paying more now than we were before, 10% higher. I can't believe $10 for a pound of butter I picked up yesterday. 
I, I, really? I had to I had to buy it because I'm making a cake for my book club. I had no choice, but ten dollars <laughs> for a pound of butter. My God. Anyway, proceed. I know, I know. Well, <laughs> but but that is exactly it. And you know, while we well, we are fortunate that we can bemoan the the price of butter, there yeah. there are many Canadians that you know, struggle. They're struggling. They're, are you choosing food? Are you choosing your rent? Are you choosing heating? Well, how are you trying to save that money? And, you know, that StatsCan report just came out on Monday that basically said, you know, one in four Canadians could not be, could not uh, afford a $500 shock, unexpected uh, shock to their budget, that they mm-hmm. would be struggling to find that money. And, you know, um, again, maybe for many people, it would be tough, but they could find it. But when you think about the number of Canadians where that money represents rent, uh, groceries for the month, heating for the month, it, it that's what they're, they're concerned about. But now, haven't they, you know, isn't some of this, well, two things. First of all, obviously, wouldn't everybody love it if these people appeared and felt compelled to do something to bring the prices down? Like, I mean, as, as if that's going to happen. Um, but can't they point to things like the war in Ukraine or supply chain issues? Aren't there things that are going on that are out of their control? Well, and and to be fair, the Competition Bureau has been asked by the federal government to look into this already. And, and they are ahead of the final report pointing to those exact factors. But I guess when you speak to uh, the NDP about it, it's, it's not just those factors because it's it's not the fact that these companies are making profits. It's the fact that they're making uh, exponential profits when you compare it to, to the pre-pandemic days. Mm-hmm. So their fear is that they're using the pandemic and all these factors that you list out mm-hmm. as an excuse to actually put the prices up. And so, you know, I, I posited the question, you know, well, how much money can a corporation make before they get into trouble? Right. And they're, they're saying, well, it's not about government trying to figure out what profit level a company makes, but more so they're trying, the NDP in particular, are trying to build an argument that there needs to be a tax on excess profits on uh, on 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 the wealthy because it, there there needs to be they argue a, a, a redistribution of that wealth that uh, you know Canadians have just basically abandoned um, and, and they see that as a path forward of helping people who do struggle to find that extra five hundred dollars if they if they get a shock to their budget. So I mean, is it possible that they could be shamed into giving consumers a break? Well, you know, and I think this is uh, what is the power of parliamentary committees. They, they, if, for example, the CEOs uh, don't show up, uh, if they don't answer the summons on their own, they, they, uh, they could, this committee, and, and bearing in mind that every political party on this committee unanimously voted to hear from the CEOs, they mm-hmm. could go to the House and, and give it to the Speaker and find some type of remedy. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's, it, there is this element of moral suasion into that. And there is this element of uh, shame, I guess, if you want to put it, uh, there's on the one hand appearing before a committee and then the on the other, uh, the public reaction to the words that you share and the justifications that you share. So I think there, there is an element of that most definitely. Well, one way or another, obviously, people would love to see prices come down somewhat at the grocery stores uh, for, for all the reasons you've mentioned. I mean, they're just way, way too high. And how, you know, people are being pressed on every angle from their, you know, from the mortgages and rents and so on. Uh, but yes, I, I think it would be, I mean, I'm sure they'll appear, right? They, they won't have to be kind of frog marched into committee by some parliamentary bailiff. 
<laughs> well, uh, we will see, you know, uh, you know, testimony aisle one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's something to watch out for because we don't have we don't know exactly when they're supposed to come. Right. Yeah, no, and there is no specific date yet. The, right. the, the summons was just issued on Monday, so something that we'll definitely have to be following. Okay, so now on another issue, the Conservatives uh, supported a block motion defending the preemptive use of the not with, uh, notwithstanding clause. Now, why has this become a problem for them? Yeah, Bill 21 in Quebec. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and and ultimately that was that is protected uh, by by the notwithstanding clause. It was applied preemptively when when it came about, and that is the secular bill in Quebec or the Religious Symbols Act. And so the the major question is to to the party and has been, how can you support the invocation of the notwithstanding clause even preemptively, and at the same time say that you are troubled and you have opposition to Bill Twenty One? So so. Uh, and while it is a secular act for many, for many others, it represents uh, basically uh, a, an a policy that tells them that they're unwelcomed and prevents them for uh, employment in the province and equality in the province. And, you know, and let's let's be honest, that's what the notwithstanding clause does. It suspends portions of the charter rights and freedoms. So so. Uh, there, there, there might be a political motive here as uh, the Conservatives look to to rebuild a base in Quebec, but at, in a practical level, in particular for uh, those that have problems with Bill, uh, Bill 21 in Quebec, it is the question, how can you support notwithstanding and at the same time effectively argue Bill 21? And it and it goes to what, I guess, what vote are you trying to find in the province of Quebec? So I, I think that ultimately is the the, the conundrum that the party finds itself in. Well, and now it seems they're twisting themselves into a pretzel trying to explain it. Um, like you say, Bill 21, the, the critics, the people who live with Bill 21, you know, argue that it's taking away people's religious rights. And it, it can't be a, an effective bill without the hammer of the notwithstanding clause, right? This is what protects it uh, yeah, from, from all the lawsuits. Uh, and Pierre Poliev has said he is against Bill 21. So, you know, the National Council of Canadian Muslims, which is all which is challenging Bill 21, says, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. So I'm sure it'll be kind of interesting to see how does he explain this? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I mentioned Quebec and trying to build a Quebec uh, base in Quebec or votes in Quebec. But obviously, it, it also goes towards provincial rights, whether it's Quebec, Ontario, Alberta, you know, the the the, the, the seat rich uh, provinces where the conservatives will need to win uh, ridings in order to build government. So so the, I think there is strategically uh, a reason for this, maybe even philosophically, if you lean on to provincial rights, but in terms of the practicalities of what supporting the invocation of the notwithstanding clause brings about, it, 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 it has already been a problem uh, for the party. So it will be interesting to see where it goes this week and whether or not they are better able to enunciate uh, their, their, their logic behind it. Well, I mean, he's, you know, Bill 21 is popular in Quebec. So uh, it would seem that the, that the Conservatives, like you say, are trying to gain support in Quebec. But Doug Ford has, uh, you know, had to back down from using the notwithstanding clause when he was mm -hmm. trying to use it in labor relations and stop education workers from striking. So it's not it's not popular everywhere. But I guess, no. they, you know, they've decided, OK, if we want to gain more support in Quebec, I guess let's let's uh, pick this route. 
Yeah, and, and picking up on, on the Doug Ford uh, issue, when he did try to use it preemptively in terms of labor negotiations, which essentially would have taken away the, the right to negotiate, uh, it was the prime minister who said the, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms is not is not merely a suggestion and you know that's a paraphrase but i think that is ultimately what it is does the charter matter do do uh to the party uh or does supporting a province's right to to invoke notwithstanding more important so i, I that definitely is part of the conversation well and i guess you can see how uncomfortable they are with this because uh, i'm sure you saw that news conference yesterday with pierre polis and uh, jasran singh Hallen, who who uh, is a conservative MP, their finance critic, and has spoken out against Bill 21. And, uh, you know, they were there to talk about something else, but the reporters wanted to know, like, how do you square this circle? Mm -hmm. And they just kind of ran away like two frightened rabbits. <laughs> well, Maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration. It's going to say. <laughs> well, you know, uh, to be. You've seen listen, frightened rabbits run away, right? Well, it I, I, I it, it threw it, it looked like it threw them off, and you know I think I think to be fair, it's not you know you and I have covered political uh, news conferences before. Uh, it's not the first time that MPs or leaders leave when they when the questions are no longer going in their direction. But right. I think what's really telling about that encounter is that there was not one moment of that news conference that was going in their direction. No. They came out to talk about affordability, and from the get go, people wanted to talk about notwithstanding Bill Twenty One, and even as uh, they tried to answer the questions and move forward with their agenda for calling the news conference. People kept going back and they ultimately walked away. So, so yeah, I think that that in a nutshell will be the challenge for party members as they uh, speak to media this week. Right. And like Tim Uphol, uh, who conservative MP, he's had to, you know, reach out and reassure the world seek organization of Canada that they're still against bill 21. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to watch them. Uh, you know, explain uh, what, what they've just done. And Pierre Polyev is having a news conference uh, today. So I'm sure there'll be some questions on this. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you can see it on CPAC. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're not a frightened rabbit. I like that. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, listen, you take care and uh, I'll, okay. well, I'll, see, I'll see you around and I'll talk to you soon. Well, you know, you can always swing by the office and bring a slice of cake. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, no, I've put, spent way too much on the butter. I'm keeping it for myself. <laughs> Okay, take care, Julie. That's Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Susan Delacorte considers the impact of the Freedom Convoy report. She writes, This is the week when Canadians will get a chance to see how Justin Trudeau's government measured up when faced with what it believed to be a real and present threat to national security. Justice Paul Rulo's Commission of Inquiry into the convoy protest and the government's response is due to make its report public as soon as Friday. Its findings will not be just a backward look into whether the emergency declaration last February was justified, but also a forward glance into how national security challenges should be handled in the future. In the Hamilton Spectator, Paul Kinnert argues the tax cut obsession is feeding increased social exclusion. He writes, while both conservative and liberal governments have significantly reduced taxes, particularly on business and the well-to-do, 
This has not led to an increase in prosperity for all as promised. Quite the opposite, he writes. Tax cuts mean declining revenue and inevitably lead to cuts to healthcare, education, and infrastructure. There is more wealth now than ever before. However, government policies of both the Conservatives and Liberals and tax cuts combined with deregulation and privatization have severely damaged our public services and civil society. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will attend the National Caucus meeting. Then later today, he departs for the Bahamas, where he will attend the 44th regular meeting of the Conference Heads of Government of the Caribbean Community, CARICOM. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the caucus meeting. Then this evening, she will also attend the Canadian Journalists for Free Expression Gala in Toronto. Conservative leader Pierre Polyev will hold a press conference in Calgary. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP caucus. He will take questions from the media before attending question period. In Ottawa, Justice Minister David Lametti and Minister for Women Marcy Ian will make an announcement about Canada's Black justice strategy. Official Languages Minister Jeanette Petipa-Taylor and Treasury Board Minister Mona Fortier will hold a news conference to announce an investment for Ottawa's Franco-Ontarian community. And the Senate Committee on Transport and Communications will hear from Transport Minister Omar Algabra on recent issues related to public air travel. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, February 15th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.